I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca vs. Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chase Down Block here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, the NBA-specific theme show with my good friend of Swish Theory, of Basketball Intelligence, of everywhere else, Round Ball Ramble. It's my favorite NBA writer, and he should be your favorite too, Corbin Ford. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good, my friend. Good evening to you. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Like, it's funny in the last two weeks, so we were not able to go last week. Um, and right. Or is it two weeks? I don't remember which I one. I think it was two weeks. Week. We weren't able to go. Okay. Yeah, two weeks. We did last week. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it even crazier because last week we recorded. And then after last week, we have some gigantic moves that go down, um, that we're going to parse through here on this edition of the program, sir. And I want to start, um, in terms of when you look at What's all happened now? Because one of the nice things that Joe Cronin did, uh, because he's a fan of this very show, Corbin Ford, as you well know, is that 
he was like, you know what? Let's go ahead and make sure that I've moved Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard both before uh, this podcast so that they have every move, every asset is complete and that we can decipher uh, what Portland uh, did and whether or not it was enough. Because as much people are, jive- are diving into um, what whether or not the Bucks or the Celtics are now the best team in the East, I think a more fascinating question is, did Portland ultimately get enough for Damian Lillard? And do you include the Drew Holiday flip into... Uh, the Damian Lillard uh, trade as a whole, because if you do, I mean, I think Portland did really, really well here. Um, do you agree that Portland got enough for Damian Lillard? And were you surprised by ultimately what the Damian Lillard went for? Um, You know, I, for the first part, I completely agree. I think Portland got really, really good with their return. I do count Drew Holiday as part of that because they took Drew Holiday knowing they could parlay that into mm. getting more assets in return. So Definitely think that that was all by design. Really good job by Portland there for sure. Um, to go with your first point about um, what were you just what you just asked? I got the second part right and then missed the first part. Oh, were you surprised that he? Oh, was, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I expected a return. I figured, and I, I thought I didn't think that Miami. I mean, only Miami Heat fans seem to have thought they're the only team that had the market for Damian Lillard. Because like what they what they had to offer is a poopoo platter. It wasn't good enough for Dame. It wasn't mm. even good enough for Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday isn't a horrible player, but he's not Dame Lillard. In the same package, wouldn't work either way. Like, Miami Heat fans wanted to make themselves, and I get it, it's a special state of fan delusion. Like, we're the only team that can make an offer. No. If we've seen anything in NBA history the last couple of years, the team that ends up getting the player is not the team that people had in mind or the player wanted to go, it's always a wild card. In this case, Milwaukee's a better wild card than another random team, but it's still a wild card, you know? No one saw Paul George being traded from Indiana to Oklahoma City. No one saw Kawhi Leonard going from San Antonio to Toronto. You know, like, these moves are moves that the team's going to try to find the best assets they have. There's plenty of other examples, but those are two, like, notable ones, you know, in the past, like, six years. So, like, that is kind of what I'm getting at with it. Um, In this case, yes, Milwaukee great landing spot but no one had Milwaukee up there mm. no one did so yeah I think looking at what Portland got though yeah I mean they got bigger they got younger they got future assets down the line like Portland did tremendous uh Ricky O'Donnell had put a list of all of the assets I'm sure he's the only one a lot of people put a list of all the assets that Portland have gotten back for Lillard so far. But you got Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first round pick mm. Boston's 2029 unprotected first round pick you have unprotected swap rights with Milwaukee both in 2028 and 2030. You have DeAndre Ian. You have Robert Williams. You have Malcolm Brogdon. You have the Golden State Warriors 2024 first-round pick. And you have recent second-round pick to Monty Kamara. Mm-hmm. And that's to say nothing about what they're probably ultimately going to get for both Malcolm Brogdon, who doesn't really fit with Portland at all, and I think some team will give a first-rounder for, or even Robert Williams, who, yes, like young, fits, like contract-wise, and we're eight and not on the team, I would love Robert Williams there. But between the two of them, I think you could definitely get a nice little mini haul for Williams as well. So this isn't even finished yet, and I think that Portland's already big winners. Yeah, I think you – part of me really feels like you should keep Brogdon if he's good with it. Like it comes down to whether or not you have that conversation with Malcolm Brogdon because, look, the guy has struggled staying healthy. 
he i mean i i don't know what his value like he was almost traded the clippers uh this summer and that didn't happen because of uh uh injury related reasons so i don't know like drew holiday was an immediate flip and that was immediately recognizable but i think if you're portland I think you seriously consider Malcolm Brogdon sticking around at least for a year uh, to help out the transition with Scoot Henderson uh, being the lead ball handler right out of the gate here. It's not like they're loaded with uh, veteran depth here. Um, when you look at it, you have Jeremy Grant, who's been in the league for a long time. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, still pretty young. Robert Williams, still pretty young. Um, Chaden Sharp, obviously really young. I guess Matisse Thibault is going to be an important vet uh, with this group. But you have Shaden Sharp, who's one of the youngest players in the NBA. Anthony Simons, who came in super young. So he is extremely young still. So I don't know. It's just such a young core of of guys now that I just feel like Malcolm Brogdon, you need guys like Malcolm Brogdon on this team. And if he's good with it, I mean... I, I love the people who are theoretically just putting him still on the Clippers and like that solves, but it like he might not play crunch time with the Clippers. I don't know if the Clippers can uh, want to go down that rabbit hole and bet on uh, Brogdon, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all being healthy at the same time. I don't know if that's uh, or what his value is. You mentioned a first. I don't know if Malcolm, I don't think anyone should trade a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon at this point. I think a team would, especially pending health. I think a team would do that. Matt Brogdon is still a very good player. Like injuries have been up and down, but the Clippers, I think, would. Um, I think a, a contending team or want to be contending team that thinks that, you know, showing up their guard depth would be big could possibly do it. It might be some protections on it or something like that, mm -hmm. but you're going to get something from Malcolm Brogdon. And I don't know. I, I, I could see where you're coming from. I don't completely agree only because, like, yes, Portland is a young team. But a lot of these guys, I mean, Simon's on his second contract. Um, Shane Sharp are going to be looking at pretty soon. I mean, obviously, he's got Scoot Henderson. These guys kind of need the ball. Yeah. Kind of need to see what they can do with the ball. And Malcolm Brogdon is not an older player like that. Like, yes, he's a veteran player, but he's not like in his mid to late 30s. He's very much in his prime when healthy, able to play, and he will play. And yes, if you have him alongside your backcourt, your team marginally does better. I don't think that's what Portland wants to do to begin with. Um, but if you're doing that, yes, like Simons, yes, he's a younger player because he came in the league young, but he's assumed a bigger role for Portland. And now with Damian Lillard out the way, he can fully, you know, assume more usage. If you bring Brogdon in, that kind of gets hot a little bit. Um, I think you want to see what Scoot does with the ball. I mean, yes, it's going to take a while for him to grow. I think Portland's fine with that, given the assets they have coming down the line and their own, to let him grow into that. Shane Sharp, same thing. He's going to kind of need the ball. Like, I don't want Portland to become what Houston seems to have become. We have these young guys, and yes, you want to have some vets in the room, and you have some older players on the roster. You still have Jeremy Grant. But, like, Houston has now added so many vets. You have Fred Van Bleed. Okay, that's one thing, right? And then you come in with um, 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 Dylan Brooks. Okay, that's mm -hmm. another. Now you just picked up Reggie Bullock. Like, okay, at this point, at this rate, these guys are not old, old. Like, they are ready to play. And if they're playing, that means young guys aren't playing. And time still marches on. I mean, you still want to see what Jalen Green got. You still want to see what, like, you're impacting their role all for what? For a marginal improvement? Like, this Houston Rockets team is still going to be a temp seat. But I think part of the problem with Houston, when you say the last two years has been, they don't have a lot of vets in the room. Like, they don't have a lot mm -hmm. of good vets to help out. Oh, no, you're right. And I don't mean to say lean the other way just to young guys. Like, just doing mm -hmm. young guys rescue for disaster. But if you're trying to, like, see what these guys have, you want to have some vets in the room. Like, what about vets? Like, okay, you know, who keeps pining? For a role, mm. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas keeps it's almost <laughs> comical, except it's not. He's like, hey, they need some vets in the room. This or that. Like you want a vet who isn't who's going to challenge and can challenge for playing time, but isn't going to come in with the assumption that those minutes are hit. Solomon Hill. 
Hawks have missed him the last two years. Missed Solomon Hill. Garrett Temple's been on rosters for years. Garrett Temple's Mm -hmm. not coming for a starting job, but Garrett Temple is going to set an example. Garrett Temple could still play given the opportunity. And Garrett Temple's an old head in the room. I think they need more of those guys. Not guys who are like really trying to find their way and say, oh, this is my time. Because you think these players coming in their prime are like, oh, you know, I'm going to just kind of foster for the next generation to take over. No, they're very much trying to get the next contract too. Yeah. I also, I mean, when you look at all of it now, DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, like you said, the 2024 Warriors first round pick, which is top four protected. They're going to get that one. That's going to convey this year. The 2028 Bucks pick swap, 2029 Bucks first round pick, 2029 Celtics first round pick, and then a 2030 Bucks swap. I mean, that's really, really good. And we've seen like over the, like Corbin as uh, fellow NBA super fans, but you're more of a connoisseur of NBA history. Like, you know these kind of trades don't usually go well for the team that's trading them. Like the Dwight Howard trades and uh, guys like that in the past, when you are moving these guys, especially with Dame's age, uh, his position, this, that, and the other, and his trade demand, uh, only wanting to go to Miami. I think it was unbelievable to me that Portland got the haul that they did. I think this is a home run, the combination home run hitter for Joe Cronin, because you get Drew Holiday in the deal too, that you can flip for even more assets. I think you're just set up, especially those Bucks picks to me, I think are going to be more of a better gamble than the Celtics. Cause I just, the Bucks are just, Giannis can still leave. Like Giannis can still, if this doesn't go well this year, he can still just be like, mm, or he doesn't enjoy playing with Damian Lillard. We don't know. Does Chris Middleton fall off a cliff uh, mm-hmm. uh, injury wise? And it just, looks, yeah. And then if they they just traded for Damian Lillard, that would be the saddest situation is if Milwaukee is just stuck with like 35 year old Damian Lillard and uh, Giannis is gone and uh, Damian Lillard's just back where he was basically these mm-hmm. last two years and in Portland all over again. But um, I don't know. I think it was great. And I also just the people who were like, oh, the Heat's package was better. I never got that. And I don't think Tyler Hero fit this group. I don't think it, like it kind of speaks to what you were talking about. They have too many young guys. They have too many young guys who need the ball. They have too many guys uh, on this roster who just kind of overlap with what Tyler Hero is good at. They got guys like Robert Williams and DeAndre Ayton who fill some major needs. You move off from Yusuf Nurkic, who's a little older, and you get younger and more uh, athletic and more interesting um, with Ayton and Robert Williams. Like that's a huge, that's a huge flip uh, to go from Nurkic to those two guys. Like I, I think. By and large, fit wise, picks wise, everything I think was better for Portland uh, going this route. That I'm also glad because we talked about on this podcast over the last month, Corbin. What did I say was my favorite one? I wanted Dame on the Bucks because I wanted this kind of swing. I wanted to see Giannis with a final swing before uh, he, like with him laying, laying the groundwork to to leave. I want to see Min- Milwaukee do stuff. Teams don't do this nearly enough where they're like, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll roll the dice. He likes Milwaukee. He likes the city. He's a loyal guy. And then they just stick with the status quo and then they leave and they're like, oh, what happened? Well, they didn't do that. And I think John Horst deserves a bunch of credit in Milwaukee for pulling the trigger because if Giannis leaves, at least you got one title and you took another big swing at the, the tail end of his time in Milwaukee. And if best case scenario, you get another title uh, and he still leaves. Like there's just no downside to this uh, if you're John Horst and you're the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Yeah. No, I got to say, and I got to take it back. When I said no one saw this coming, you definitely hope that it would happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So that is big. But no, I agree. I think you have to give Milwaukee credit. I mean, give them credit in general. When mm-hmm. Giannis first started making noise a couple years ago, they swung the trade brought in Drew Holiday, won a championship that year. Yeah. Now he starts making rumbles. Literally, if he does so much to sneeze, Milwaukee's front office like, <laughs> which is something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. You know, other front offices either don't do that or fail miserably. And Milwaukee, for especially for a quote-unquote smart market team, 
for them to go, hey, you know, we're going to make the move to satisfy our, you know, centerpiece and really put ourselves in contention with a championship, finances be damned. Like, there is something to be said for that and credit to them for doing that. And in a league that, you know, we always want teams to go for the swing and be competitive and everything. And small markets, you know, they have certain, no, like, go for it. Go is do what you can. And they've done that. Um, and they have a team now that's on paper pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Flipping it to Miami, though, Corbin, what do they do now in your estimation? Do they just go Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, run it back? Because remember, this is a play-in team last year. And I think this roster, you can make the case, like is worse. They lost a lot of important uh, Heat guys that they developed, like the Gabe Vincents of the world. I, I don't know. Part of me just... I don't know what the pivot is. Bradley Beal's already been moved. Damian Lillard's now been moved. Drew Holiday doesn't wind up in Miami. Kyle Lowry comes out as looking like the starting point guard going into next year. I don't know. I think Miami, this is... I I really have no idea what they can do next to get out of this this hole and just kind of betting on another finals run with this group. I just... I don't see it. Uh, I mean, I didn't see it last year, but to do it back-to-back, Jimmy getting older, I... I don't see it and I don't know what the the way around it is. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they kinda they have no choice. I mean, at this point, you know, everyone that's available to you make a play for Malcolm Brogdon. Like it just kind of keeps getting worse. You went for mm-hmm. you went for Damian Lillard, that failed. Then you probably went for Drew Holiday, but then see that failed. Do you now go for Malcolm Brogdon? I think you yeah. have some level of respect for your franchise, right? At the same time, you lose two key rotation players. Like there's no way that Miami got better. I mean, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess were very solid players for them during their run to the finals. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't lose those two and go, yeah, we're great. Like, that's that's not how it works. So, I don't know. I think that is definitely um, a step back for them. Like, is it a far step back? I don't know. I think it made the case for them being a three, four seed, depending on how you feel about Philadelphia. I mean, right now, Milwaukee and Boston are a clear tier of their own. After that, I probably put Philly and Boston, depending on what you think about those two. And then after that, I feel like it's anybody's game. So, like, do they take a big step down? No, they're not in the drags of the East at the same time. Are they? I didn't think they're going to make the finals last year, but I don't think they're definitely going to make the finals this year. Like, there's some real issues there. Um, And I don't know. Maybe Kyle Lowry can reach back into the swings of youth one more time, but at going on age 37, color me surprised if that happens. Yeah, I think. Some people throw out the bowls, like, do you target Levine? He just doesn't feel like a heat culture guy. And we got the heat culture uniforms, which are just, woof, mm-hmm. um, very cringe. They need but to stop with these. They, these new city uniforms need to They're all bad, right? I haven't yeah, seen one no, good one, one yet. one has been good. And, they're, and it's like, who are you? You don't have to do this. Like, <laughs> take a breather. Let it sit for a minute. You know, no more. That and all-star jerseys. In fact, I'm going to take this for a second, um, Chase, and just say this. Mm. I think that teams need to go back to wearing their own jerseys in the all-star game. Oh, I agree with this. Yeah, I just want to see it. Like, get back to it. You represent the team. I think it mm-hmm. was fun seeing the '97, you know, playoffs. Yeah, you know, playoffs. Uh, the the, the play. Uh, keep saying playoffs. All Star game. And you have Jordan's Bulls jersey and Kobe's Lakers jersey and all these other cats like in different jerseys. And you always have that one random player from the one random team that they're there. Like, oh wow, the I don't know the Raptors represented <laughs> in the '90s. You know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. like. It's always fun to see. That's what I want. But no, city jerseys, let them rest. At this point, they're derivatives of classic jerseys that have already happened, and they're not nearly as good, and it's just kind of stupid. Go back to wearing the classic jerseys. I don't I don't disagree. I think they probably, my gut tells me they waited out for Toronto. And Pascal feels like a heat guy. 
OG feels like a heat guy. They just sit to see what happens there. Obviously, Scotty Barnes is on the market, but I would not be surprised to see them jump into one of those type deals. Um, maybe OG being the more likely, but my gut tells me that's where they end up going as a pivot. OG? Who do they trade for OG? I mean, they're not Tyler Hero hasn't he's not that guy. Like he hasn't worked for literally any other team they've offered him to. I don't think he works in Toronto either. I mean, it's not bad though. Like I just, and I'm not even saying it's going to happen. My gut just tells me that's where they pivot and that's where they start calling and start looking to is Toronto. Cause those feel like Miami guys. I could see any of those guys flourishing in Miami's game and Miami welcoming them. I mean, the best case scenario is Zion where you sit on the Zion watch and you're just that like, is. we just put Zion in our, in our building. We can fix I- this. Yeah, but I mean, you have to have players. I mean, less yeah. Jaime Hawkins and you know Nicole. Jokic, I mean, Bam Adebayo is Jokic, a good trade. Jokic. Bam, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's going to be one of those other guys. Like, it's going to be a Bam, or it's going to be a Jimmy. Like, I, I'm sorry, no, it's Tyler Bam. Hero. Like, you have to no. be Bam. It's Bam. No, it, yeah, I'm being. I'm, I'm saying it like the level of player. It's definitely yeah. no way it's going to be Jimmy. Why would he do that when they're doing mm-hmm. it to pair with Jimmy? It has to be Bam. But the point is, like Tyler Hero as your baseline guy is not enough. Yeah, it's just not enough. You know, and you're going to need players in addition to your pick package to get those players. And Tyler here, I mean, I don't even think that works for Zion. Mm. I think New Orleans still wants more. But, I mean, they're, I, I think they're a, more in terms of a better player. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean getting Bam a bad guy, guy. That's a good haul for a superstar in today's yes, but, market. It's a good but haul. Bam is, Bam is right now, what, uh, the second, like a clear, his offensive game has not progressed to the level that you would look at as like a secondary player. And if he goes to New but Orleans, he's consistent. Exactly what he is. You can count on him, especially as a third guy, a playoff if I'm minute. Trading, if I'm trading Zion, who his only knock has been health. When Zion's oh, hold on. There, that's Zion's not his a... only knock. That's not Zion's only knock. Well, what would you say is other only knock? Well, I mean, there's some off the court stuff that. Uh, I, well, listen, there's I mean, there's some other. The off the court stuff is more like national inquire fodder than actual team distraction. I'm just saying, like, like, like what came out this week that he's in? He's finally Miles. taking. Well, what came out this week that he's finally taking being in shape seriously? Oh. Is that what came out this week? That came out this week from noted, noted, <laughs> noted talks out of both sides of his mouth, David Griffin. Like, mm. I am not how David Griffin executive. The same guy, no. David. You Griffin, cannot stand David Griffin. No. I, You've I, talked I, about I, on this podcast. This like, I, Corbin's the nicest human I've ever met, and he absolutely despises David Griffin. It's he wild just, to hear. He feels like one of those guys who would talk about you behind your back. Mm. And say something totally different while playing nice to your face. Like, I mean, from what I've seen, the reports that have come out already have not been flattering by him over the, just like the last couple of years in New Orleans. Look at the way he's constructed his roster. Look at the fact he didn't take much, any blame. Oh, we for can't himself. do this again because I told you they have an amazing 15 man roster. I've already, we've already done it. I'm like, he did everything right. It just doesn't matter because Zion doesn't play. One playoff appearance. If you have an amazing roster, you definitely make yeah. the playoffs more than once. You, you'll be the Clippers if you have an amazing roster because the Clippers have their star players injured, but they always get to the second round or whatever. Pelicans got there one time, but and if all their hopes are on Zion Williamson, <laughs> then they don't have a great roster. If all your hopes are on one player, I'm I mean, sorry, you have CJ McCollum, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Trey Murphy, you have Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado. But you're you making my Jonas point. They have all these Judas. dudes, and he's drafted well. He's developed well. He's done no, all. But, he's... but I'm. But that's what I'm trying to say. I'm. Get, I'm playing devil. Like I'm saying, if yeah. that's the case, and all these guys are good, like this is good roster construction. Yeah. Then it should hinge on one player, which it absolutely does. They went from the best team in the NBA to literally fighting for a playoff spot because Zion got injured. That speaks to the talent of Zion, and that speaks to a kind of a weakness for the for the team construction side. In That's my fair. opinion, not enough outside shooting. They're all dependent on Zion. That's fair. But anyway, you, you like you said, this is me going on my David Griffin. You know, the one way to get me fired up, mention David Griffin. 
There you go. <laughs> I, 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 I like it, man. Um, I'm sorry, Jason. I had to bring the heat there. I, I like it. Your favorite NBA sophomore, Corbin, that you want to uh, the good folks to keep an eye on this year. Who's your favorite NBA sophomore going into this year? Oh, Jabari Smith Jr., easy. Ooh, why? I think one, in the second half of the season, he definitely improved. Second half of last season, he improved. Like his his rookie, his first half of the rookie year was, was, was pretty bad. I think mm. we can all admit that there's, there's nothing there. But like most rookies aren't super great. I think he just came in as like one of the best shooting big men, you know, all the things we could bring defensively, get switch, like really good shooter. Uh, the cost line and the, the NBA three point line is a big difference. Like, I don't know. I mean, you shot from what I'm sure I've shot. Like, it's, mm. it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. You go from being on the best of, you know, a shorter line to having to take those same type of shots from further on. It's not great. And also, I think he took too many threes to start with. Like, you should take, you got an acclimated to it, not going so much. But I think he got more comfortable as the year went on. Mm. Game winner, good defensive plays, a couple 20 point games here and there. Then he had a tremendous summer league. I enjoy, like, he was too good for summer league, which is what you want to see from those types of players. I think now you're in a position where, hey, he could be an ultimate stretch five. He could be that, you know, or stretch four. I mean, depending on how you feel about Appen and Shingun. But, like, he's going to get the time. Unlike Shingun, he has good defensive versatility and potential, I think, on that end. And offensively, I mean, he can stretch it out. He can shoot. He is a shooter. So I really look for him to be more comfortable, you know, another year in the books. Um, again, after what he had summer league, after what he had the second half of the season, confidence-wise, that helping as well. And him really having a really big uh, second year for the Houston Rockets. Interesting. I wouldn't have had this for you, uh, Jabari Smith Jr. I think he'll be. It's going to be interesting to see how he blends because, like a lot of these guys, you don't see this very often, where a team go draft super high. Jabari Smith Jr. obviously in play for the number one overall pick in last year's draft. Um, watched him a lot at Auburn. Um, uh, he a lot of talent. The most common comp was Rashard Lewis coming out uh, but i think he has better handles and i think he actually has more upside especially defensively than Rashard lewis but sharp was great people forget like number mm-hmm. two player on a nba finals team uh and then obviously me growing up watching a lot of late night sonics games with him and ray allen but um i'm fascinated to see how he works with fred van fleet how he works with amon thompson because it's gonna be a young backcourt uh kevin porter jr uh already played his last uh, game for the Houston Rockets as he should. The NBA probably. Yeah. Well, hold on. Uh, there are some players on certain rosters right now that led me to believe that that's probably not going to be the case, even if it should be the case. I mean, but here's the thing, and I will say that I agree with you, but I think all those teams are like their incumbent team. Like, if mm-hmm. you look at, like, oh, well, the exception of Josh Primo, but I don't know what's going on there. That's but, like, if you look at Miles Charlotte. Bridges, Charlotte's yeah. retaining him. You know, Houston, this team is saying we're done. And yeah. mind you, before this incident even happened, you already had a little bit of a mini rap sheet on Mr. Porter Jr. But I digress. I'm with you. I can see what you mean. I don't have any hope in the NBA. I just think that he's already worn out his welcome before he did this. Like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. I just wonder how much his his development hindered by how good this team is. I mean, the best thing for him, the best case for him being the most interesting sophomore is Ime Udoka, right? Like, what can he get out of him? Like, that kind of jump from Steven Silas to Ime Udoka. What does that mean? What kind of jump does that mean? I think he's also going to get the opportunities, right? Like, you look at the big depth here. You mentioned Sanguine. You got Jock Londale, but, like, he's not going to be a heavy minutes guy. You have Tari Eason. Um, he'll get. He'll be in the rotation. Jeff Green, I think, will be in the rotation. I also think that's a sneaky great bet to add for Jabari Smith. Like, Jeff Green obviously just won a championship with Denver. Uh, he came home and uh, bust his hair. So, shout out to uh, Jeff Green for 
fighting a good fight there for as long as he could. But um, I think that will be something sneaky to watch because when you think around the league, like guys who would really like who would have been perfect to pair Jabari Smith with, with like which vets, I think Jeff Green's like right up there as like an all time great vet opportunity for him. Yeah, I think you're right. He's someone who will teach him kind of how things go. Again, this is the kind of bet I think other teams should have. This is the kind of yeah. bet I, I would look at in general. Like, he, he's somebody who um, isn't going to ch- – uh, he's someone that Portland could use. Yeah. He isn't going to challenge you for your starting spot. But he can start. He can play. He's not totally cooked. He can still produce on the floor. But it's really the value he provides behind the scenes, how to prep as an NBA player how to get your body right, how to get your mind right, different things on the floor to see from his years of experience. And I agree with you. Jeff Green, I think, is a perfect guy. You know, four, five. I think Jeff Green came to NBA more like a three, but the point being like a forward-type player. You know, Jabari's always been a better shooter, but Jeff Green definitely can put the ball on the floor better, both defensively are pretty solid. Like, I think he definitely can, you know, give some tips and tricks behind the scenes in addition with Coach Emo Doka and, of course, the improving talent that he has. So, yeah, Houston's a weird fertile ground for young players to develop. I just like what I've seen so far from Jabari and feel like he's in a marginally better position with which to flourish now as a young guy. There you go. I like it. Uh, Corbin, new face, new place. One guy who changed teams that you're excited about how he fits in. We continue our series here. Who do you have next that you're excited about uh, this player being on a new team? Ooh, this was really, really interesting for me. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with two guys. Okay. Actually. And this ad will be Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. Oh, wow. Minnesota We're really Timber. going deep here. Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think both had solid seasons last year. I think that um, Shake definitely was kind of marginalized, in my opinion, mm. in – um philly but he's a guy who you know can shoot ball can run point can play shooting guard i like troy brown troy brown kind of average shooter but we Mm -hmm. forget troy brown played a lot more on ball in college he played a little bit on ball going to nba he's made some nice reads and some good passes with the lakers in in stretches where he has a little bit more than three and d role he's being pegged into right I think mm. that these guys are definitely role players, but I think when you have a Minnesota team that needs some juice off the bench, you know, I think that helps them. Because if you look at their backcourt, like Mike Conley's there, obviously Anthony Edwards, the straw stirs to drink. But who's going to run that offense? Who's going to be that firepower off the bench? I like what Troy Brown brings from both sides of shooting and playing defense. I really think he's in for a better shooting season this upcoming year. And I think Shake Milton can get some real room to, to make things happen in minnesota so those are the two that i'm looking at and, and one other guy why not mm-hmm. um he was already there but Nikhil alexander walker Ooh, like these there's a wide range of players here at that shooting guard combo guard position that i think can really do a good job of playing a combo guard role a point guard role a shooting guard position small forward you got a little bit of off the bounce offensive creation you have a little bit of defensive intense i like the mix there so really, really happy with um, the guys they have. I think it could be a very interesting bench. But yeah, a little, little bit of a deep take, but I just like the way they're formed. I guess the right kind of guys around uh, Rudy Gobert and a Carlton Towns and a Niles Reed and these other bigs. I just think that these are some good guards to play off of them. Okay. Um, what do you think? Because it... 
because Trey Brown is interesting too. Like, uh, but I think Shake for me is the most fascinating. What do you think is his best NBA skill? Why do you think he'll be in the league for like 15 years? Because it feels like he will. I don't want to say instant offense, but I think Shake can get hot pretty mm. quickly. If you say a microwave, I would call <laughs> Shake Milton a tea kettle. <laughs> like, it, it'll take a second, but like, it, he'll get going. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out. Uh, career best 37. Well, not a career best, but high vo- higher volume 37% from three last season. Um, they give you about 10 points and three rebounds, three assists per game. Mm-hmm. I think he's someone that can get to his shot. Um, and I just like the way he's able to produce quickly. I mean, his Instagram is called Sniper Shake. I don't know if he's a sniper, uh, quite mm-hmm. yet, but he's a career 36% three point shooter. That's not horrible. Yeah, actually, pretty decent, right? Um, his volume could definitely. Definitely increase. He literally took less than two a game last year. So not super great at all. Um, yeah, like 56, 448, not super great. But mm-hmm. in general, I don't have a doubt that he can't shoot. You know, I have a doubt that he can't score. And as somebody there, run the pick and roll, be a threat to score out the pick and roll, be someone who can make at least simple reads and be mm-hmm. someone that you have to pay attention to. Like, fine, put him next to a, I don't know, a, a, a Jared Bayless type guard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like not someone who's going to be super great, knock down, you know, set the world on fire, but a solid player that you have to defend. Yeah. God, I have not heard the name Jared Bayless in a really long time. I liked him a lot coming out of Arizona. Yeah, I got. I told you, it's deep takes, deep take over here. You know how it is on this side. Jared Bayless, how long has he been out of the league? At least six years. Is it nah, really? How old is Jared Bayless? That that feels a little long, but I feel like it's twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. He last played. I want to say 2018, 2019, he last played. I'm looking right now just to double check. Yep, I nailed it. 2018, 2019, played with Minnesota. Ironic. That's wild. It's been that long. Mm-hmm. Good player. 11th uh, overall. Yeah, he made him, He made himself a 10-year NBA career. That's good. Shot, I yeah, mean, he came in at 20, especially played until 30. Yeah, he had a couple mm-hmm. years where he shot like 43% from three. No. Jared Bayless. Yeah. That was my prime blogging years. Uh, so I have a lot of Jared Bayless uh, remembering some guys. Remember, I remember being in a lot of fights about Ramon Sessions is actually bad. Laker oh, fans, that one yeah. year where they talked themselves in Ramon Sessions, that was, those were tough times. Trust me. I, uh, I, yeah, I didn't like that year. I had to, but I didn't like it. <laughs> no? What about Kareem Rush? No, it wasn't. When you wouldn't take a shot outside of 20 feet, that's when I knew that it was a problem. Um, Kareem Rush, not bad. Just all, He could shoot. Couldn't do a whole lot mm-hmm. more, but he could shoot. <laughs> I wasn't with the Lakers long, but I think yeah. he won um, a game for the Lakers. Game six, 2004, Western Conference Finals against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hit six threes, I love that. If I remember that correctly. There you go. Uh, final thing here tonight, Corbin. Pacers unveiled their new starting five. And I want to get your perspective on how you think this will actually work on the court. And do you think this is sustainable for the course of the full year? And do you think this is the best five? Uh, the Pacers and Rick Carlisle should be running. Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. What do you think? I like it. I would rather have Bruce Brown come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Who would you replace him because, with? Buddy Hield? Uh, not, yeah, probably until I let him go. Even mm-hmm. Jerry Walker. It's a lot early but, for but honestly, that's I was gonna say that is a lot early. I mean, buddy, buddy healed for me is like I would put him out there, but I'm shopping him. Trace mm. Walker is probably like, oh, like like I like that team. Like I, I'm only changing it for the sake of having a guy like um like him come off the bench. 
Mm. Like it's not for it's not it, it's not for anything like Brown, not a player better than Brown or anything. It's just having a player like Brown to give that energy and juice off the bench. That's what I would like. But honestly, no, I think it's interesting on shooting. Bruce Brown's iffy shooter. Obi Toppin's an iffy shooter. But I like Benedict Matherin. I like Miles Turner. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Defensively, I wonder how Obi Toppin holds up. It's kind of his issue. Now you want playing before, you know, uh, Miles Turner's going to be busy in the back end, I'll tell you that. Um, but aside from that, no, I think it's a decent starting five. Like, there's some balance there. I guess Buddy Hill's your sniper off the bench until he's moved, if he is moved. And, yeah, I think you have at least some decent balance up and down. A little light on shooting, a little different on defense, but ultimately pretty good. What do you think Benedict Matherin last year? What kind of player? Do you think he has star potential? Is he best player on a contender, second best player on a contender? Where are you at, Benedict? I'm feel I'm feeling more second best player. Okay. Maybe he improves some more on ball, you know, in terms of paying, playing, you know, get playing his pa- passing reads and, you know, playing out the pick and roll, that sort of thing. Right now he's a very good all, I think, potential being a very good offensive and defensive player. But maybe he could be a two-way wing of the Paul George ilk, even maybe of the Kawhi ilk, kind of moving forward as he grows more to his game. And then you have a different thing totally on your hands. But I definitely want to see more of that on ball. I don't think there's a whole lot there for him as it stands right now. Where are you at with Tyrese? Oh, I like Tyrese. He has a, I, I'm, I have a, from one ugly jumper fan to another, I have respect for those who can make a shot that looks weird mm. but goes in. His passing is great. He's shown they could be a lead guard. And I thought he'd be more like a combo kind of guard coming in. And yeah, he could play the combo role, but I thought he would have to because his passing wouldn't be as great. And it's been amazing. He'd definitely be a lead guard. His scoring has been something that he can get into a shot when he wants to, and he can make that shot. And it, it works for him. Um, I think he can be an all-star, you know, and drive a highly uh, efficient offense. So definitely high on Tyrese myself. I'm going to do a quick game here. This is a fun exercise with Tyrese. You ready? I'm ready. Right now, would you trade Tyrese Halliburton for Trey Young? No. Would you trade Tyrese Halliburton for Jalen Brunson? No. Would you trade Tyrese Halliburton for um, Cade Cunningham? No. That's an would interesting you- one, but I haven't seen enough from I haven't seen enough from Cade yet. Would you trade? Tyrese Halliburton for LaMelo Ball. Closer for me personally, but no. Okay. Would you trade Tyrese Halliburton for Tyrese Maxey? No. I if if, if Tyrese Hallib- if Tyrese Maxey can be something like Tyrese Halliburton, I'd be happy for Philadelphia. This might be the most tough. Would you trade Tyrese Halliburton for Darius Garland? That's a good one. That's a good one. I like Darius Garland. Small guard. Not super great defensively, but I mean, neither technically is Tyree Halliburton. But, ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to say yes. But that's, and I will say this before I say yes. I'm saying yes because I am partial to Darius Garland. I love me some Darius Garland. I think he gets a really good guard. I understand the size limitation. I understand he's never going to be good defensively. Um, but I like his ability to kind of – I like his offensive ability. I like his 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 floor game. I would personally have to really think hard about it. Let me say that. I don't know if I would trade him for Darius Dunn, but I would definitely think long and hard about it. It would be a lot more difficult. Easily the, be- easily the most difficult decision of the guards you gave me. I think I agree. 
Um, I the reason I asked you that, I think Tyrese Halliburton's the most valuable guard in, in the East. Like Damian Lillard, obviously, but he's thirty three. Like it's just different. He's the vet. Like it's I'm putting him in his own category. Like obviously, Damian Lillard is the highest upside. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. You're not trading Tyrese Halliburton for Damian Lillard. I just think Tyrese Halliburton is probably the most untouchable lead young guard in the east and i think once dame exits prime like i think it's tyrese's conference like i think the best version of tyrese halliburton is the best point guard in the east there's two guys i'd like to make an argument for mm-hmm. um spencer denbury and kyle lowry i'm just kidding I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I I I I tend to agree with you. <laughs> I don't think people realize like the cat the casual fan because like you're not dialing in if you're a casual fan to a lot of Pacers games last year, but like he's someone you just have to watch. And I don't even think a lot of people understand that like uh, um he averaged twenty ten and three, shot forty percent from three. Um, I mean he had an effective field goal percentage of fifty eight. Uh, obviously a great free throw shooter, great passer um getting better each and every year his offensive rating last year his first all-star year 129 like the offense is just it bounced he's just so good um in so many different ways and can attack you and put pressure on defenses in so many different ways i just i'm a big halliburton guy like i'm not saying he's the next steve nash but i'm also not not saying he's the next steve nash i like the way you did that i like the way you did that He's not not that. We don't know. He's right now still a mystery box. Anything anything possible. Steve Nash will be Steve Nash after 10.30. But I don't even think he's that much of a mystery box. I think he's going to be a triple-double type guy who also shoots exceptionally well, and he's long. Like, it's just, I think his defense won't be that bad. Like, I just think there's just so much to like about Tyrese Halliburton at this point in his career, and he's only going to get better. Like, I'm just, I'm pretty all in on Tyrese Halliburton in the East. No, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. And you're right. He's. I'm being a little dramatic. He's definitely someone I'm on board with for sure. But I don't think most. If you had a casual basketball fan, like most basketball fans, would be like, "No, I'm taking Brunson over Tyrese. I'm taking Trey Young yeah, over Tyrese. Exactly. I'm taking Darius Garland." I think it's just it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like Brunson's in his prime already. Like, yeah, like not going to get much better than what he already is. I think that Tyrese has more to offer than Trey yeah. Young at this point. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It, it was inter- that's an interesting exercise. I like those for sure. Really kind of puts force you to put stock of mm. players in real time. Yeah. I think Tyrese has high stock. Uh, Corbin Ford, what can the good folks check out from you uh, across the internet this week? Uh, you know, doing um, NBA division previews on Round Ball Ramble. So we already did the Southwest Division, uh, the Pacific Division, and the Atlantic Division. So those are out. Well, the Atlantic Division I have to put out soon. But those are out trying to ramp up NBA coverage uh, as we get going here. Um, and then inevitably, so will all the other projects come together because like, this is our, this is the time chase. This is where I become the basketball chase Thomas. Uh, cause you don't take rest and don't take <laughs> breaks. And, uh, once season starts, neither will I. Well, there you go. I'm excited. Keep up the great work. Go subscribe to Ramball Ramble cause the regular season will be here before you know it. Read Corbin everywhere and Corbin Ford. I will talk to you next week. Appreciate you, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. 
But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.